I'm really excited for this session. Uh, Pastor Greg is going to come and, and share with us, and then we'll continue the same format. After he's done teaching, we'll have some question and answer, and then we'll go to ministry time. All right, Greg. Thank you. Well, I just want to welcome all of you here that are skipping work today. I'm sure your biz boss and businesses really appreciate that. But uh, no, it's an honor for, uh, for uh, me to be here as well and uh, to serve in this way at Five Stones Church and, and the greater Vancouver area. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, one of the things that I, Rich had asked me to do is talk about uh, protection in prophecy, because one of the things that's happening today is there's a lot of things that's called prophet, prophetic. Uh, there's lots of things that are available to the body of Christ. There are lots of teachings. If you go to YouTube and you type in prophets, you're going to have a lot of stuff come up on, on YouTube videos. And if you type in it on Google, you're going to have lots of different things come up as well. And everything that says prophetic is not prophetic. Everything that is pro says prophet does not mean it's a prophet of God. And so we need to be very, very careful in the day we live in uh, when we start talking about God speaks and God's telling me this and God's, you know, given me this word and I went to this place and I got a prophetic word. And what do we do with all of this, with all of these different things? And I, I feel like we're living in a very, uh, very amazing time of the earth, but it's also a very dangerous time on the earth because there's lots of deception that is out there and it's labeled God. It's labeled prophetic. It's labeled prophecy. It's labeled prophets. And, and so <clears throat> one of the things that's happening uh, as I travel around the world that I see happening is that there is lots of, lots of exposure. And so, uh, you know, we call this the prophetic frenzy. Have you ever seen the piranha? And, uh, you know, when there's a, a prophet comes to town or there's a prophetic conference, it's like everyone in the city shows up for that. And uh, I need another word. I need another word. I need another word, right? And, and there's this, this, uh, this thing that I don't have enough words. And, and it's, it's really interesting that we don't live our, our lives based on prophecy. We live our lives based on what the Word of God says. Prophecy helps us in the direction of our life, but it's not... I don't need a daily prophetic word to tell me how to live my life. I have the word of God that tells me how to live the, my life. And so, but sometimes people have a really misconception that, but I, I need another prophetic word, another prophetic word, and I have to have my six-month prophetic word, you know, well, time out. I mean, there's people in the, in the, in the scriptures like Abraham that had six or seven prophetic words his whole lifetime, you know, that one word built on the other word, and when he needed to know more information, God told him more. In other words, God didn't leave him hanging. He didn't take him out a certain amount of distance and then just leave, drop him there. God spoke again. And so one of the things I see happening today, uh, I, was, uh, I was in this uh, conference with, uh, with these uh, two other guys, not, not these guys, but two other guys, and we were, we were doing this prophetic conference, and, and at the end of the service, we had three lines, right? And... Um, so there was lots of people standing in our line. They were all coming up for a prophetic word. And so we were, we were all in the front, and there was three lines. And uh, this one lady comes into my line. She comes up to me. I prophesy over her. I thought, wow, that's, a, that's an amazing word. You know, I'm, uh, the word, things that God gives me to say, I'm, I'm just as amazed as they are, right? And so I always thought, wow, that's a really powerful word. And she was, she was standing there like this with her arms crossed and like, you know, kind of that look like, is that it? 
Is there anything else? You know, she was like disappointed. Her face was disappointed. And, and so I just, I thought, wow, that's really interesting, right? And so, you know, the next person comes in line. But I, out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching this lady. And she gets into the other guy's line. And I'm just watching this play out. And so I'm praying over people, but I'm watching her. And, and she gets up to there, and she, the same thing. Her arms are crossed, and she's just really disappointed. Her face was disappointed with the prophetic word. So sure enough, she gets into the third line, and the same, the same reaction. So afterwards, we're talking together. Us three guys were talking about it. And hey, what about that girl that was, you know, that caught in your line? She was in my line. And they go, yeah, this is what God gave us. And it was the exact same word three times. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. But this girl didn't like what God was saying. This girl wanted something else. In other words, she was accustomed to having multiple prophetic words, maybe weekly or daily. I don't know. But it was like this was just another prophetic word. Sometimes I feel like, you know, it's like the Olympics. You know, the judges, you know, when you get a prophetic word, well, we're going to give that one a three or that one a five. I mean, there is so common today in our world, prophecy and prophetic and prophets and all of this, that sometimes we got to be very, very careful of what we're receiving. And so today I want to talk about four different tests that we can do as individuals, but also as a church, as a leadership, of what happens when we receive a prophetic word. Because, you know, prophetic words are something that needs to be, need to be stewarded. It's something that we realize that prophetic words are not this magic wand, like in Disney, that God speaks and it's automatically going to happen. That's not how prophetic prophecy works. Most prophetic words are conditional prophecies. In other words, there are conditions that I must meet to cooperate with God in this, this divine journey with Him. And so I cannot think that, well, God spoke and it's just going to happen. I don't have to do anything. No, we have to cooperate with what God wants. So uh, that's why when we use the term prophecy, we like to use the term prophecy in context of the local church. Because the local church is the place that God has set all of us in a place for our protection. He has given us leaders, spiritual leaders in our lives to help protect us, help us in this process of learning to hear God's voice and to walk in this journey uh, with God. So one of the things that we, you know, we're very protective of in our life, we protect ourselves from danger. I mean, I travel a lot and so I'm very careful of what I eat. There's only been a few times in my life where I, you know, made the accident, I made the mistake of after a service, I was in a third world country, after a service, uh, the pastor said, hey, let's go get a bite to eat, but there's nothing open, so we ate food in the street from a street vendor. Now, that's normally, I don't do that, because I know, very dangerous in third world countries. But I did that that time, and I paid dearly for it. I had food poisoning for three days. I thought I was going to die. It was one of the thir third time that I had th food poisoning to the point of almost dying. So, um, we protect ourselves from food. We protect ourselves from people, situations. We go out of our way to protect ourselves from danger. But sometimes when it comes to prophecy, we don't have the same uh, carefulness. We just accept whatever. Well, he said it was from God. This, God. this guy said he had a word for God for me. And so I just, I just swallow it whole. And I just take it in. And I just say, well, it must be good. I went to some conference somewhere. And 
Some total stranger came up to me and prophesied over me. I guess it's God because he said God said it. Well, not everything that labeled God is from God. So that's why we need to take those words and we need to uh, apply them to these four tests that will really help protect your life and will also help you to discern what's from God, what's from man, or what's from the devil, because obviously the devil has his own messengers that he tries to mess with us as well. So we have this principle found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. It says, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. The word there is to distinguish. This word judge means to weigh something, to see it, what, you know, where is this coming from? Is this from God? Is it from the enemy? Or is it just the opinions of a man being expressed? Because those are the three main sources of information. So we see here in, in the Corinthian church that there is, a, there is a, Paul is telling them, listen, everything that's being prophesied, everything that's spoken in the name of God needs to be judged. Now, it doesn't say that they're judging the prophets, it doesn't say judge the prophet, it says judge what's being said in the name of God. So when we, we sometimes we think we hear this word judge, we're going to judge the prophecy. Well, don't take it personally when somebody says, listen, we're going to weigh what you've just said in the name of God. That's not, don't take it personally. It's, it is the, the reality of the structure of the New Testament church for the protection of people and to help confirm what God is saying to this individual. So we see here that this principle that Paul is putting into place in the Corinthian church is this, this concept of we're here to protect. We're not just going to let anything be said in the name of God here. We're going to weigh what's being said. If, uh, you know, if Brother Robert, I hope there's no Robert here, but if Brother Robert gets up and says, you know, the Lord says that television is of the devil, I mean, there are people that are going to say, whoa, the Lord said this, they're going to come under that condemnation, and they're going to throw their, their new brand new TV out, you know, and, and so many testimonies, unfortunately, horror stories have happened like this, where people have used the name of God to put things on people and manipulate and control them, and this is not from God. So within the church structure, God has given us this protection mechanism called church leadership that is here to help us in this process and to protect us from these kinds of things. So, do we trust the source or not? You know, your, your leaders here at Five Stones have asked Ben and I to come and Chuck Porter to come later, but um, that means that they have trusted us. Because if they didn't trust us, they should never invite us to come and stand in front of you to influence you in any way. So it's, big, it's a big deal for me when the pastor says, hey, we're inviting this guy, or we're, we believe in this guy, we believe in this source. That should cause the congregation, that could, each of us, to relax and be able to receive from that. You understand? That's, it's a part of God's protection to the church and over your individual lives. In 1 Thessalonians, we see the same, uh, the same principle. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 through 22. <clears throat> It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't, you know, hamper the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. 
Here we see something that, uh, for me, is very powerful. It says, you know, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't quench the Holy Spirit in other translations. And then it says, don't treat prophecy with contempt. So the moment a church begins to say, hey, no prophecy here. We don't want to hear what God has to say. We don't want to allow the gifts of prophecy or prophetic culture to develop. It literally means we're quenching the Holy Spirit. When we stop God from speaking, it's stopping the Holy Spirit from doing what he wants to do. And unfortunately, many churches take that stance because of bad experiences or sour experiences. And so we just say, hey, our denomination, our church, we don't believe in this. We're not going to do this anymore because of, you know, whatever that's taken place. And so here it says that we're supposed to not treat prophecy with contempt. We're supposed to receive it. But then it tells us how to receive it. It says test test everything. Hold on to the good things and avoid every kind of evil. So this shows us there is a process of judging and weighing prophecies. And it's the same with your life. The prophetic words you have received, you personally need to test what has been said. Is this from God or it's not? Is this was the opinion of the person or it was not? Is this demonic in nature and it's trying to control my life or it's not? I mean, we have to be on our guard in these things and not just receive everything because it says God on it or prophetic on it. So let's talk about our first test, test number one. <clears throat> test number one is called the biblical test. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, it says, But he that prophesies speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. All right, the biblical test. Whatever God speaks cannot be outside of his written word. I'll say it again. Everything that God speaks to us cannot be outside of his written word. The spirit and the word are one. So if there is a discrepancy of what you're hearing or what's being spoken over your life and you say, well, that's not even biblical, that's not even in the word of God, that goes against God's principles and his character, guess what? Not from God. Don't receive it. Well, but I had goosebumps and I felt really cool and there was a breeze blowing on my face. That's called air conditioning, right? <laughs> that was not the Holy Spirit, all right? Or a feather drifted down from the ceiling. Well, somebody's goose down uh, jacket was leaking, all right? That's not an angelic uh, uh, f um, feather, all right? Now, feathers can happen. I understand that. But listen, there are so many things that happen that because of the amazing experience or it was supernatural somehow, we get away from is it in line with God's word? And people start search, search, seeking after the experience outside of God's word. They're going to get in trouble. And they're going to get deceived. And they're going to be led down paths that they would never thought they were going to be led down. But they've, been, they've separated this great experience from God's word. And they got in trouble. And many of the cults and different sects that we have in the world today started with good people. Some of them Christian men and women. But at some point, they followed the experience or a supernatural event outside of God's word, and they began to seek that instead of seeking God. 
Well, I had this angel come and visit me, and the angel said this, and the angel said that. But if that angel is not speaking in line with God's word, guess what? It's not an angel from God. There's lots of angels of light that will come and speak wonderful messages to you, but if it's not in line with God's word, we're in trouble. So our first test is the biblical test. The things that God has spoken over your life, is it in line with his word? Is it in line with his written word? And if it is not, I have to, I have to discard it. Notice here that it says that the, the gift of prophecy has parameters. Notice the, the first parameter here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. It says, he who prophesies or speaks a word from God says, parameter number one, it has to edify. God's word, if God's word is God is speaking over you and it is a prophetic word over you, there must be a building effect that takes place in your life. If it tearing you down and destroying you, guess what? Probably not from God. <laughs> it might have been the opinion of that person or he was angry with you and he's, hey, this is my way to get back at them. <laughs> or he might, there's lots of craziness that happens in the churches in the name of God. And but it says here that when God speaks to you through the gift of prophecy, there should be a building up. There should be a building up that happens because God's words builds. All right. Number two thing here we see, it says God's words, or he who prophesies, exhorts. And the word here, exhort, is the word that we have uh, also is the word to encourage. It means literally to put courage into people's lives. We also have the opposite in English. It's called discourage, which means to take courage out. So when God speaks, there should be something imparted to us that we didn't have before to do what God's telling us to do. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the voice of God, the rhema of God. There is something that happens when we hear God's voice. It's going to put something in us that I didn't have before called courage, faith. And it causes us to take a step and to believe what God is speaking to us. That only comes from him. We cannot produce this on ourselves. But when we hear him speak, it puts something in us that we didn't have. And now I can take a step. The third thing it says here is to be comforted. There is something that happens when God speaks that brings comfort to people. This literally means God's words embrace you. The Word of God has this power that you feel the embrace of God. It's hard to explain it. It's hard to, to describe it sometimes. But when God's speaking to you, you feel like the most important person on the planet. He knows who you are. He knows the specifics about your life. He knows the little details that, that as other people hear the prophecy going over you, they're like, oh, that, that's really general. That doesn't make any sense to us. But boy, for you, that one word... That one word showed you that, wow, God knows me. That one little phrase, that one little thought described how I was feeling for all of my life. I just never put it in words. You realize, wow, God knows me so much. And it's so powerful because it's God's way of taking his arms and wrapping them around you with his words. And you feel like the most important son or the most important daughter on the planet. It's incredible to think about. But the biblical test is so important for us. Whenever you receive any prophetic word, you got to take it to the first test. Is this in line with God's word? Is it in line with the parameters of prophecy? Is it, or do I feel manipulated or condemned somehow? God's, 
is not a God that condemns or manipulates. Now, Jesus was the expert at this. In Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus was so good at discerning the source. He was so good at identifying, that's from God, that's not from God. Remember when he says to his guys, hey, who do people say that I am? And it was Peter in verse 17. Peter says, verse 16 and 17, Matthew 16, 16 and 17. Peter says, listen, uh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember, and, and it's like Jesus said, hey, good job, Peter. You got it. You got the right one. And, and verse 17, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So as Peter is prophesying, Jesus says, hey, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's from the Father. I recognize that voice. But six verses later, <laughs> in verse 22, right? In verse 22, Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, what he said? Get behind me, Satan. Right? The same man, <laughs> the same mouth, but two different sources. But Jesus was the expert of discerning very quickly, this is not from God, this is from the enemy. We need to develop this in our life. And part of the way you develop that is to become a student of the Word of God. The more of this Word that you get inside of you, the more you study this, the more you memorize it, the more it becomes part of who you are, it literally becomes a filter in which you hear everything. And now you, it's very easy, oh, that's not God's voice. That's the enemy. I know the enemy's voice. I know how he sounds. I know how my father sounds. And it becomes very easy to discern between the two things. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Does the prophetic word line up with the written word? All right. You can say, well, but it was such a powerful experience. I fell on the ground, and I was shaking for three hours, and the prophetic word was divorce your wife and get somebody more spiritual. And it's like, but wait a minute, brother. That's not what the word of God says. Well, but it, 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 it goes in line because my wife is, you know, like the devil manifest, and, and she's just really a trouble and a burden to my life. And and uh, it made me feel super good. It made me feel super comforted, right? But it's not in line with the Word. I'm sorry. It's not in line with what God says. So it might have been a wonderful experience or a supernatural event, but not everything supernatural is from God, right? So the biblical test is our first test. Test number two. <clears throat> Test number two, I call this the natural test. The natural test. In John chapter 4 and verse 16 through 18. John 4, verse 16 through 18. Here Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. They're at a well. And Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband to come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You have said well. I have no husband. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. You have truly spoken. The natural test. 
The natural test is really easy to discern. Is it true what the guy's saying, or it's not true? I mean, here Jesus is going out on the limb, kind of, right, and saying, hey, you've had five. He could have said, you had six, you had three, you had two, but he would have been wrong. But he got it right. You had five. That's very specific. And that's an easy one for us to, to test right away. Is it true what's being said? It's a natural test. Is it true? Is the information that's being expressed true or not? You are saying that he's married, but he's not married. Wait a minute, something's wrong. <laughs> You're prophesying, saying, uh, you know, um, the, the, wife you, uh, that the wife you have, he's, well, but wait a minute, I'm single. Well, obviously that test is real easy to, to determine really quickly because we know the truth, we know the facts. Jesus you know, through the word of knowledge here, he knew exactly they had, this lady had five husbands. The other thing about this is also a factor. This happened to me in Malaysia one time. I was, uh, I was prophesying over, uh, over, this, over this guy and girl. They were sitting together. And I assumed, I assumed they were married. Right? So... They put them up on the chairs to pray for them, right? And it's in my assumption, my natural mind, I thought, oh, they're together, they're married. And so I began to prophesy over them. God showed me things about their relationship. He showed me things about who they are and what they, who they, you know, their, their interaction with one another, 100% accurate, right? And describing their personalities and different things, and it was 100% accurate. But I was prophesying as if they were married, I was using terminology that, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a couple, as a, as a wife and husband, and I was using that kind of terminology. So after the, <laughs> the meeting was over, the pastor came up to me and said, Greg, you know, uh, yeah, they're together. They're going to be married next month, but they're not married yet. Everything you said about them and their relationship is true, but they're not married yet. So what did I do? I got in front of the, the group that I was prophesying over, and I said, listen, guys, I made a mistake. Because I was prophesying over this couple as a married couple. They're not married. That's wrong. So even though it's the wrong tense, it's still wrong, and it needs to be corrected. Because if we don't, people start to uh, uh, have uh, contempt against prophecy. They begin to say, oh, this is just a game. It's just, you know, there's no accountability in this. But no, we need to be accountable in what we say. So even the tense, even though they were right facts and right information about them, the tense in which it was being spoken was not accurate, and that made it wrong. Okay? So some of you might say, well, what about some of the prophecies that have been over the United States or over you know, Canada or wherever else, and, and it, you know, even Jesus coming back on October 3rd or whenever it was, you know, there's been so many dates like that, and it doesn't happen, and we don't ever hear anything about from the person who <laughs> spoke those words, and I'm, you know, I want to apologize to you because that's, that's not accountability. If you stand up and prophesy something and it's not accurate, you need to stand up and make it right on the same platform that you proclaimed it. All right? So if I say something here today in this group, and I say something incorrect, and it needs to be corrected, this is the level that I correct that. 
if I get on TV and I pronounce it in front of all Vancouver, then I need to be on TV and make it right to the level that it was spoken is the level it needs to be corrected. Everybody follow that? Right? So that's called integrity. So here we see that the natural test is a test that we can do very quickly, very easy. Is it true what they're saying? <clears throat> now, part of the natural test that sometimes the congregation is not aware of. So let's say we have a, a person up here, Ben or I start prophesying over them, and some of the things that are said, none of you know about it. And so you immediately say, oh, they're wrong, right? But maybe you don't know behind the scenes of they could be talking with the leadership about an issue, problem, whatever, that is a blind spot to everyone else. So before we start throwing stones at people and say, that was wrong, this is wrong, we may need to understand there could be some other things at play here that is not public information, right? So sometimes the natural tests can be a little tricky in that sense because there could be blind spots. All right, number three test. Call this the witness test. This is what we refer to as an internal agreement or peace that what is said is from God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, it says it like this, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony or witness of our conscience, that in simplicity and goodly, godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation, our lifestyle in the world. There is a testimony, a witness that happens, and I'll, I'll say it like this. If, if I'm speaking to you today by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the words that are coming are from the Holy Spirit, and you are full of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a click, an agreement. There's a peace. There's a sense inside that this is right. Now, I may not like what I'm hearing. <laughs> I, may not, I may not appreciate what I'm hearing. Uh, like the one time uh, this uh, pretty famous prophet came to our church, and this was one of the first times that we had prophets at our church. His name is Jim LaFoon. And this guy came to our church, and, and he was prophesying over lots of people, but he hadn't prophesied over me. And so uh, after the service was over, I came up to him, and I, I took that risk. I said, hey, could you pray for me, right? And I was, you know, just a very, very young man. I was, I was expecting that God was going to use him to bring lots of confirmation to me about the, the ministry and the calling in my life and all of that. I was excited about that. I was expecting that's what God was going to talk to me about. So he says, well, sure, I'll pray for you. So he puts his hand on, on my shoulder, and he starts prophesying. He says, well, first of all, I get this really strange picture, and that's not always, you know, comforting <laughs> to hear from a prophet, right? So he goes, I got this really strange picture. I see that. And I said, okay. He goes, yeah, I see, uh, I see a china shop, you know, this beautiful uh, china uh, dishes and uh, glasses, and, it's, and the shelves are made out of glass. It's just this very elegant store, very small kind of boutique, kind of very intricate, um, uh, different items and things. I said, okay, but the strange thing about this store is there's a bull inside the store. It has big horns. And the bull is walking around, and he's knocking down all these expensive dishes. And I'm thinking, this is a strange picture, right? And, and he goes, he says, and then he says this, and he goes, the bull is you. And I'm like, what do you mean the bull is me, 
right? And uh, I didn't like what I was hearing. But inside, I knew. I knew. I knew God was talking to me about stubbornness. I knew God, God had been talking to me before about stubbornness and being hard-headed and wanting my own way. And because of wanting my own way, it causes pain to other people, right? It breaks things. And so I knew the meaning of what he was saying, but I didn't like what he was saying. You understand what I'm saying? You get it? And there's, but the inside there was a, a click. I knew. Now, sometimes that happens to us and we go, oh, that was a wrong prophecy, Prophets, prophets were way off. They don't know what they're talking about. And we can paint them as the bad person, but later in, down the road, we realize, wait a minute, it was true. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to accept it. I didn't, didn't, want to, didn't want to acknowledge that weakness in my life, but it was true, right? So this, this concept of witness, agreement that takes place inside, I understand it's very intuitive, but it is a, the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, that's right. That's right. Even though it sounds hard or it sounds, you know, difficult to swallow, but it's right. The witness of God. Many times leadership help us in this. Uh, I've shared this before, those of you that have taken messengers, but uh, um, when I was uh, probably about 18 years old, God had been speaking to me about prophetic ministry and all of that, and I had been crying out to God, God, I need, I need a mentor in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to develop these, this gift or this ministry. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but you're talking to me about being a prophet to the nations. And God, I need help. I don't know what to do. And I began to pray, and I said, God, I need a, I need a mentor. I need somebody that would take me under their wing and, and, and uh, help me in this process. And so... A friend of mine uh, in the same city, he goes to a different church. He says, listen, Greg, I have, we have this prophet coming to our church. Why don't you come and, and uh, you know, see what this is all about? So I, th- I was so excited that night. And I was driving to church, and I, to, to this other church, and I was saying, God, I, it would be so cool. If, first of all, if this guy prophesies over me. Number two, if he would invite me to go with him and become a mentor to me. So I was praying this way on the way to this, this meeting. And so, you know, we're in the service, and, and he's preaching, and he, finally, he stops, and he, he looks around this, this guy who's sitting in front of me, he points at me and says, you, young man, stand up. And he's pointing at me, right? And I'm like, whoa. You know, and so I stand up. He starts prophesying, God's called you to be a prophet to the nations. And the things that God had spoken to me in private, this guy didn't know who I was. Wow, this is so amazing. And so, number one, it happened, <laughs> right? So after the service is over, I'm getting ready. I'm leaving the building. My friend comes, stops me and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. The prophet wants to see you in the office. I go, okay, whoa, this is cool. So I go back to the pastor's office, and this guy's sitting in the chair, and he goes, listen, young man, you know, God, you know, God obviously has his hand on you, and, and I really would like you to travel with me. I'd like to be a mentor in your life, and I'd like you to travel with me, and, and I could train you and all that. And I got so excited. I said, well, that's so amazing. Let me, let me talk to my pastor, right? So the next morning, I, had a, I left that meeting. I was on cloud nine. I was like, wow, this is so amazing. The two things I prayed about are happening, and, and uh, finally I have a, a, somebody to train me, and I can be an apprentice, and I can grow. And, and so I, I have this... 
I had this meeting with my pastor, Vic, Vic Hildebrand, and I, I have a, he, I walk into his office, he saw I was, I was super excited, I was smiling, and he goes, Greg, what's up? And I go, well, we went to this, this meeting last night. There was a prophet there. And I start telling him all the story. And I said, he has invited me to travel with him. He's invited me to travel and to, to grow in the prophetic uh, area with, with him. And, and I'm so excited about this opportunity, Pastor Vic. And then Pastor Vic says, why don't you sit down here, Greg? And, uh, and so he's sitting on the other side of his desk. I'm in the front of his desk. We're both sitting down. He's not smiling. I thought, oh, no, what did I do? I did something wrong, right? And um, him and he had been seeing the calling developing in my life. He had known my prayer. He had known, because we, we have a good relationship. And uh, he says two things. Number one, I believe God's called you to be a prophet without a doubt. I know that's going to happen. I know it's happening in your life. I know it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Without a doubt, 100%. But number two... I don't think this is the one that you should follow. I don't have peace about it. I don't have a witness about this guy. Now, I was smiling on the outside, but on the inside, I was like, my pastor is spiritually blind. He can't hear God. <laughs> he doesn't understand the opportunity that is in front of him that God has given me, and he's taking this opportunity away from me, and and I, inside, I, I felt like, wow, I'm missing an opportunity, and it's my pastor's fault. This is called the witness test. And God sometimes is going to use your leaders to help you in this process. Because sometimes our emotions, <laughs> sometimes our emotions are so strong for something, we can't hear clearly. And we are, we are, misunderstanding our emotion and excitement for something as the peace of God, and it's not true. And sometimes it takes an outside source that's non-biased to look at the situation, pray for the situation, and hear clearly to help us in this process. This happens many times in relationships, right, where we're dating somebody, and after five months of dating, you're so emotionally connected. Now you come to your leader and say, oh, by the way, what do you guys think about our relationship? And they tell you, oh, well, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this girl. It's really hard for us to hear counsel at that point. It's really hard for us to hear our leaders say, hey, I don't have peace about this. It's really hard at that point to, to cut something off or to stop it because there's so many much momentum that's rolling down the hill already. It's hard to stop that train because of the emotions that are involved. But we need our leaders, our leaders, spiritual leaders, to help us in this process. So Pastor Vic said to me that day, Greg, I know it sounds really wonderful opportunity, but this is not, I really don't feel this is from God. So I smiled at Pastor Vic. <laughs> I said, okay, I won't do it. On the way home, I was griping, complaining, yelling, <laughs> you know, God, talk to my pastor. Obviously, he can't hear. I had a bad attitude, but I knew the principle. And based on the principle, I was being obedient. And about three or four months later, it comes out in the newspapers, this big scandal about this prophet, that he had different, he was a single guy, he had different girlfriends slash wives in different cities. He had been scamming the churches of money. 
He had been doing all this underhanded stuff with the churches and the finances, but also this women issue, and now was coming out in all the papers. And then I said, thank you, God, for Pastor Vic. <laughs> right? I was so thankful because it was real, because, this, because of a witness, because of a lack of peace in my leader, God used my leader to protect me. You understand? That's why we're saying, we're talking about this topic because sometimes our emotions or prophetic words or experiences or supernatural events can really be powerful in our life. But boy, we need to put them to the test. Is this from God or not? Because if it's not, I don't want to seek after it. So what, does, what do my trusted spiritual leaders say about this word? One of the things I encourage all of the people that we ever prophesy over after that prophetic word, make an appointment with your spiritual leaders or a spiritual leader that you are submitted or under. Make an appointment with that person and let them listen to your word. Let them listen to the prophetic words that's been spoken over you because God put you in that church for a purpose. And if you say, if five stones is your church... You can't say in the same breath, five stones is my church, it's my home church, but I don't want to submit to leaders. You can't say that in the same breath. If I say this is my house, this is my church, this is where God set me, that means that I also then embrace the leadership of the church. And that leadership has a responsibility in my life to help protect me, to help, to help watch me, to help me go in this path called the journey of faith to help me not make wrong turns and be distracted or deceived. What a beautiful picture we have of this with Eli and Samuel. Remember the story? The little boy Eli, he's 11 to 13 years old. His mom had dedicated him to the Lord. He's now serving Eli, the priest, in the temple. One night, they're both asleep, and God begins to speak to Samuel and says, Samuel, Samuel, and remember, Samuel wakes up, runs to Eli, did you call me? What did you call me? And Eli says, stop, go back to bed. Three times this happens. And finally, Eli says, oh, it's the Lord speaking to Samuel. What a beautiful picture, though, of leadership and the congregation working together in the journey called faith. Right? God puts us in a house, in a church for a purpose. And there are leaders in our life to help us distinguish the voice of God. To help us know and to protect us along this way as we hear what God's speaking over us. Sometimes we think the witness means that it has to fit with my context. Do you know sometimes God's going to give you peace about something that outwardly shouldn't, you shouldn't have peace about? Sometimes there's going to be a witness inside, a peace inside about something that God is telling you, but you look around and say, but that doesn't fit in my current context. I shouldn't have peace about this because look at this, God. I mean, really, uh, it doesn't fit right now. But the peace of God doesn't always comply with your current context. It's God's way of knowing, helping you know I'm on the right path. I'm on the right steps. So this kind of witness or peace is not talking about being free of problems or being free of heart, heartache or being free of hardships. All right, number four. 
the test of time. So we had number one, the biblical test. Number two, natural test. Number three, the witness test. Number four, the test of time. There are some words that are not for today, and they must be cooperated with and waited upon. You know, this is one of the most um, difficult things for the society and culture we're living in. Because we're living in a society in a time now where we don't have to wait for anything anymore. And if it's too slow, we move on to something else. If the internet's too slow, we throw the, the Wi-Fi away, we go buy another one. If the phone is too old, we go throw that away. You know, we live in a disposable society. And the concept of waiting for something is getting less and less for everything now. I mean, if you want to go buy a product, you don't have to wait to have enough money to buy it. You just use a credit card. I mean, I mean and the, the stores make it very easy to do all of this now. So we're living in a time in a, in a society and cultures that you don't have to wait anymore for anything, including answers. Before, you had to <laughs> go to a library. You had to check books out. You had to study to find the answer. Now, in a matter of a click... You ask God, you know, God, Google the God, God Google, and uh, the Google God tells you your answer in seconds. So you don't have to study something out anymore. You don't have to investigate anymore. You have the answers in seconds at your fingertips. But it's creating a, a mentality now that when I come to God and God's kingdom, that if God said it, it's going to happen now or tomorrow. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, I'm upset. What's going on, God? And the reality is God's kingdom doesn't work like that. There are moments where God speeds up time and where it's called a miracle, right? That's a miracle. But that's not the normal. God's normal process is planting seed. Seed grows. There's a harvest. There is fruit. And it's a reproduction. That's God's plan. It's the same with prophecy. There is a time, a season for this to happen, that we have to cooperate with God. You know, King David, when he was <coughs> just a young boy, estimated 11 to 13 years old, and, you know, the prophet Samuel comes and prophesies over him, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You know, he's just a little boy. He's just an adolescent young boy. But God speaks over his life that you're going to be the next king of Israel. Well, there was already a king called King Saul. And, but God spoke over this young boy in front of his father and his brothers. And, and, and David is anointed with oil and, and this, whole, this whole process, this whole ceremony. And, but we realize that David did not come into that place to the first part when he was 30, when, it, when he first stepped onto that first throne which was only a part of Israel, not the full thing yet. So we're talking 17 years. There was a 17-year process where God took the word that was spoken and then time had to happen. And there is a test of time for your prophetic words. There really are. There are things that God speaks over you today that are so powerful and they can move you to tears today. And it's like, wow, God's so amazing. It's so powerful. It's so, you know, moving. It's so inspiring today as I'm hearing this. And it touches my heart, and I get so excited about it. But guess what? <laughs> Welcome to the process. 
right? Welcome to the process. <laughs> From that glorious moment that comes in seconds or minutes could be the, the, the initiation of 17 years of a process called fulfillment. <laughs> How many like that? I don't like that. I don't like to wait. Wait is a four-letter word to me, right? And, and I, I don't like that word, but boy, in God's kingdom, there's this word called wait because the waiting is changing you. The waiting is changing you and transforming you and your character to be able to withstand the blessing of God. Amen. That was good. That's not in my notes. But you know, sometimes God doesn't put the blessing on you, and that's called mercy. Because if he put the full blessing that he's talking about on you today, you wouldn't handle it. That's called mercy. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So there's, God's allowing us to grow up or to be transformed or to change so that when the blessing comes, we can hold it. We can carry it. It doesn't kill us. Now, my son Max is 10. No, he's 11. Uh, and he, you know, he loves cars. He loves, he knows, he plays Xbox 360 and all those other things. He loves the driving games. So he knows all of the different cars by name, right? <laughs> so he studied it out. So if he comes to me today, says, Dad, I need a car. I want to drive a car, Dad. And I can, as a father, say, well, of course I can get you a car. No problem. I'll get you a car. I want to bless you with a car. But wisdom says, <laughs> wisdom says that even though I could bless you with a car today, if I gave you that car today, that blessing would turn into not a blessing, but it would really harm you because you're not ready for the blessing. And it's so many times that the test of time in our life, which we don't like, <laughs> we really don't like it, but God is doing something in me to be able to receive the full blessing that he's talking about. And so there's been so many times I didn't understand that. And I said, but God, I want the full blessing now. I want my inheritance now. I want this, this dream now. And it's like it waited and waited and waited. I'm like, God, what's going on? Come on. Where, when is it all going to happen? You, you prophesied about this many years ago, and I haven't seen it happen yet. And I've been cooperating, and I think I'm ready. Well, my perspective and God's perspective sometimes is way off, right? And so his mercy, sometimes he withholds the true full blessing um, until we're ready. You see, when the word came to David as a boy, he was a shepherd, not a king. He was the youngest, and his father didn't even include him in the lineup. This means that the context in which the word was given was in contrast to what the word was promising. So many times when God speaks over us, when God gives us his words, sometimes that's why it's so hard for us to receive those words because our context. Look at this. Look at where I'm at. God, how is this, how is this even possible? I'm 13 and I'm a shepherd. You're calling me a king. How does that, how does that all work? I don't understand this, God. I know it's from you because the prophet's speaking it. I know this is a word from you, but I don't understand it all. And God's just saying, listen, I'm giving you a little glimpse of the future. That's where we're going. That's, that's the heading. That's, that's the GPS 
uh, location. That's where we're headed. I'm just letting you see a little bit of the picture so that you don't go off and try to be a doctor or you go off and try to be something else. You know where I'm taking you. I'm, trying, I'm telling you I'm, we're gonna be a, you're going to be a king. And that's the wonderful thing about prophecy. Sometimes God gives us this little glimpse, but that little glimpse we need to understand is not tomorrow. <laughs> it could be 15 years from now, but he's giving you and I a little glimpse of where we're going. And this is so good for us. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every person, uh, purpose under heaven. All right, we're talking about the test of time. I just want to give you four, four things under this, four sub-points. Sub Number one, sometimes God gives us words that are for present situations. And we need to act now. Remember Joseph and Mary and, uh, you know, baby Jesus just born. And Joseph gets this dream. And in the dream, God says, get out of this place because it's dangerous. Remember that? Think about if Joseph would have woke up the next day and said, well, I need, I need four more confirmations. <clears throat> four more confirmations, God, and then I'll, then I'll obey, right? That word that Joseph got that day or that night had to be acted on now. There are prophetic words that you're going to get. And even <clears throat> sometimes in, in prophecy up here, there are things within that word that need to be acted on today. And that's why we need to listen to it again. We need to follow what does God say? What is God saying again? So, <clears throat> as we discern, as we judge what's being said, there's going to be things that God says, do it today. You need to act today. You need to make the phone call today. You need to write the letter today. You need to call that person today. In other words, don't miss the opportunity. There's a window. Number two. <clears throat> there are words that God speaks to us that are for seasons. Some of the prophetic words that you have received was a seasonal word. What do I mean by that? Now, we can go to a beautiful bakery here in Vancouver. And you, what's, one, what's a famous bakery here? Anybody? Superstar. Superstar? <laughs> <clears throat> Superstar? Wow, there's a lot of... <laughs> The hive, okay. <laughs> all right, so, all right, so you, wherever this bakery is, you're walking down the sidewalk, you can smell the bread, that kind of a place. All right, so you go in there, you buy that beautiful loaf of bread, they wrap it in plastic or paper bag or whatever they do, and most of those places will put a sticker on it, or it's already printed on the package. What is it? Expiration date. All right, so you take that bread home. You enjoy the bread. You enjoy it for a week. Maybe you have three or four kids, and, and you, you know, you're really frugal. We'll use that term, frugal. And, uh, and you're trying to make the bread extend, right? So, you know, the kids come down three weeks later, and they come down for breakfast, and they notice, hey, Mom, you know, there's grass growing on the bread. Is that supposed to be like that? Well, no, that's just extra protein, right? And, uh, or, you know, the following day, there's some mushroom growing on it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> no, just eat it. Just eat it. It's good for you, right? Well, none of us would do that because there's an expiration date. And to go beyond that date is going to cause heartache. 
It's going to cause sickness. It's going to cause negative things. Well, there are seasonal words that God speaks over us that God's called us to do this or to be that or to operate here or to work here, uh, to do, be involved with this for a season. And when that season comes to an end and I don't recognize it and I continue to work, continue to operate, continue to live, continue to try to be what I was before, it's going to cause pain. Somewhere there will be pain. Somewhere there's going to be a negative reaction in my life or in the people under me because I've overstepped the time. All right? So there are seasonal words that God speaks over us. And there are moments in our life where we are very frustrated. And I'm not going to talk about all the different symptoms of passing the expiration date. But there are lots of symptoms. And... Um, one of them is when you have no more grace to do that. Your grace has run out. So now instead of being a, this is a blessing to my life, it's a burden now to my life that I have to carry, and I hate what I'm doing now because I don't have any grace for it anymore like I used to. That's one of the symptoms that your season has coming, it's either come to an end or it's coming to an end at that particular place. So there are expiration dates on prophetic words. There are seasons that God says, I want you to do this. I want you to be this. Just like, just like with David. David, you know, served under Saul. He was a minstrel under Saul. He was a shepherd for a season. He, was, he worked for Saul for a season. He, there was different seasons in David's life, but didn't mean that he was supposed to be a shepherd all of his life. That's not, it wasn't the idea. It was just a, during that season, God was imparting something, doing something in David, but that season came to an end. Then there was this other thing and this other thing. We need to recognize that as well in our life. Again, Jesus was the master at this. Remember, Jesus made statements like, it's not yet my time. And then he says, now it's my time. He's like, why would Jesus say that? In other words, he could, he could read the seasons of his life, and he knew it's, it's, this is the right time. This is not the right time. All right. Number three, there are words that we get that take a lifetime to fulfill or a lifetime to walk in. For example, <clears throat> God called me to be a prophet, all right? That means I'm not going to ever stop being a prophet. So if I'm 99 years old, I'm still a prophet. In other words, that prophetic word way back in the beginning is a word that is a lifetime word that's going to continue for all of my life. It's like a, a tattoo you can't get off, <laughs> right? You can't laser this kind of thing off. It's you are tattooed for life. You are seared. You are sealed with that for life. It is a prophetic word for a lifetime. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 32 says it. Uh, you know, the children of Issachar, these were men that could understand the times to know what Israel ought to do. Well, that's, that's what we're talking about. God wants to help us in this process, not just of discerning, but Discerning the test of time. First Chronicles, yeah. First Chronicles 12.32. <clears throat> now, the last kind of prophetic word that can happen regarding time is what we call unconditional words or declarations. This is where God literally declares something that has nothing to do with your cooperation. 
Most of the prophetic words you and I receive are conditional prophecies where we have to cooperate with God. But there are those occasions, very minute occasions, where God does declare some things. And on those, we have to just simply wait and see. Because some of those, again, are for the future. Uh, some of them are, you know, a decade from now, 20 years from now. Who knows? I mean, some of those we just put on the shelf behind us and we wait and see because they are a declaration from God. There's no known instructions that I have to do to cooperate. There's no biblical instructions that I know to cooperate with this word. It's something that God declared this is going to happen. Those we wait and see. All right? All right, so four tests. Test number one, biblical test. Test number two, natural test. Test number three, the witness test. Test number four, the test of time. I want to encourage you that as you receive prophetic words, make an appointment. Make an appointment with your leaders or spiritual leader. Uh, if, if Five Stones is your church, then there's a leadership team here that you can make an appointment with. And sit down with them. Let them listen to the prophetic word. Let them help you test the word. Let them help you weigh what has been said. The other great thing that that gives is a, is a moment of planning and what would be a practical step to do with this prophetic word. And your leaders are great people to help you with those steps. All right? So God has put this in place not just to protect us, but to protect the church. And so even as prophetic words are given over the church as a congregation, the leaders are responsible to take those words, weigh those words. What needs to be acted on today? Is this a seasonal word? You know, that's their responsibility. And it is part of God's way of helping us walk in this divine journey of faith. Amen? It's good stuff, isn't it? Really, really helpful, really, really strong teaching, gives us understanding. Um, I'm just going to add a couple comments here. Maybe, Ben, if you could uh, head up to the keyboard again as we transition to our, our ministry time. Another way to talk about the unconditional word is what we call oath-level prophecies, where God decrees something, and it's not dependent on any human agency. So, for instance, when Jesus says, I will return, it doesn't matter what happens politically, spiritually, in the earth, it's going to happen. That's oath-level. That's completely God decreeing. Let there be light, and there will be light. No one has to assist in any way. 99.9% .9 of prophecies are conditional. Very few times are there oath-level prophecies, right? So God may say to the heavens, I'm going to reach Canada. And then he may call you to be a missionary, to be part of that plan, but you disobey it. Then you're not part of that picture, but God will send someone else to make sure Canada is reached. So... Um, again, 99% of the prophecy requires our cooperation. Even Jesus himself could have not gone to the cross. He did not decree that Jesus go to the cross. He wanted Jesus' participation in the work of, of, of God. Okay. So um, I just say that because sometimes we can get this passive idea like, oh, God has said it, and we think of it in terms of decree. Like, well, if he said it, then he's going he's gonna to do it. No, you actually have to engage yourself. That's how we grow spiritually. Um, so just that little notation there. Um, when we're judging prophecy, sometimes it's fire to our soul. And the reason why it's fire to our soul is like we're doubting, like William was talking. We're wavering. Is this God? Is it not? But really what God is trying to do through that, that weighing process is to 
affirm our identity in him. In the end, when you stand before God, you cannot say, well, the prophet said that to me. The only thing you can say to God is, I weighed it, I judged it, this is what I'm walking in, this is what my conscience led me to do. That's your final adjudicator. When you stand before the Lord, you're responsible for all the decisions. So when something comes, I've been prophesied by some very famous prophets, I won't even name them. They were, they were wrong. One day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to say, you know what, that famous prophet prophesied over me, I judged it to be wrong, I'm totally at peace with it. I won't say to God, oh my goodness, I should have done that because that person said it because of his reputation. But in me saying no to that, it was me affirming, I actually hear from you, God. This is actually my peace in you. This is where my joy is. So then it, it solidifies our identity in the Lord. Yeah.